Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details. This is Rashawn Evans, and you're listening to the No Nonsense Podcast. Welcome into No Nonsense, a Tennessee Titans podcast, your place to go for on-demand Titans coverage that is 100% free of the nonsense that we always see in sports talk these days. I'm Luke Worsham, joined by the other two hosts of No Nonsense, Matthias Wadner and Will Lomas. We are back to recap John Robinson's Tuesday press conference. The Titans general manager addressed the media for the first time since halfway through the 2020 regular season, it's been that long, uh, a lot of fans thought that they're like, maybe with some kind of news coming. Really what happened is, uh, this is the time of year that uh, Robinson would ordinarily speak to the media at the Combine. Obviously that did not happen, so uh, this happened instead. He addressed a lot of topics relating to the team, gave some answers that were not all that interesting, but he gave others that really shed light on some key situations, and we're going to get into all of that in just a little bit. Let's start with this, though, guys. So J.J. Watt, who has terrorized the Titans for the last 10 years, is now a free agent after the Houston Texans released him after he requested that they do so. I think we are all in agreement that J.J. Watt would be a really good addition for the Tennessee Titans, no? Without a doubt, yes. Yeah, well. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And I think I I personally was hesitant at first because I was saying, no, they need to spend the money on an edge pass rusher. I like Watt. He's a good player. The Titans have limited resources, and they need to spend everything they have on an edge pass rusher. But then here's what I thought. It is so rare in the NFL, and just in football in general, but in the NFL, to get pass rush sack pressure from the inside of the defensive line. And Mike Vrabel has said over and over again since he took over that The fastest route to the quarterback is straight up the middle. And he's absolutely right, because edges have a farther path to the quarterback than guys up the middle do. And obviously, J.J. Watt is over the hill. He's not the player he once was. He will be in the Hall of Fame someday based on the player he once was. But even at his current age, based on anybody you ask that has watched the tape, J.J. Watt is still playing at a very high level. Now, granted... We got used to J.J. Watt playing at like a Reggie White, Bruce Smith level 
So, you know, a few notches down from that is still pretty darn good. But, but to return to what I was saying a minute ago, I'm fine with it because it's so rare to get pressure up the middle. The Titans need pressure any way they can get it. And to have a guy like Watt who can get sacks from the middle of the defensive line, I think could be huge. And only part of the plan, because there needs to be more than that, but a big part of getting this pass rush turned around. Yeah, I mean, it really doesn't matter where it's coming from. The Titans just need to get players that will generate any sort of pressure whatsoever. And then add in the fact that Watt is also one of the best run defenders in the NFL still. Uh, oh God, this gives me flashbacks to Clowney, but he actually is. But J.J. Watt actually is. Uh, and he's still playing at that high of a level. I mean, his tackles for loss numbers uh, were really good this past year. When he played the Titans, he was also re- always really good. Uh, and he was creating havoc, even though, yeah, he's not the player he once was. I don't think he has declined in the way that we thought he would, uh, especially given all the injuries that he was dealing with. Uh, he had the back injury, I think, arm injury. It, it just seemed like like he was really going to start breaking down. But this past season, he was still one of the best, you know, three, four defensive ends that, that were in the league. So, I mean, I don't think the Titans could just say, no, we don't need that kind of guy. The question is how much he's going to cost. I'd be wary of paying him too much, but if the Titans have the money, I would splash it. I mean, they splash it on Clowney, and I think Watt gives you more impact than Clowney because uh, Clowney didn't do anything really uh, last year, and even though Watt is older uh, and not – precisely the same player they they win in in similar ways and they they can help in similar ways but Watt just proved it last year and he should be able to prove it this year even though I thought he was older honestly he's only 32 that's not not that crazy to see uh, a player at his age especially on the defensive line still be very productive yeah, and I think the big thing with Watt is that he's not going to come in and get questioned about his work ethic like, this isn't a guy who needs to make a buck. It's not a guy who got cut from his team because he was too old and wasn't worth it. He got cut from his team because nobody wants to be a Houston Texan right now. And the Titans are in a unique position to take advantage of that. And, look, he, he's 6'5", almost 300 pounds. The good thing is, you know, Landry talked some about Clowney being a little bit of a mentor earlier, like when they spent a week together in training camp. But with what you actually get somebody who can talk to Jeffrey Simmons and say, look, I know how to be six foot six and 300 pounds and win. And I also talked to Harold Landry and say, I also know how to line up on the outside. Sorry, my voice is still kind of cutting out. Um, but he can also line up on the outside of an offensive tackle and win like that too. So, you like to have somebody with that flexibility, with that work ethic, and with that knowledge base. Will, you getting choked up? <laughs> yeah, it's he's it's, emotional. <laughs> yeah, it's 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 emotional. It's hard for me talking about somebody that I've I've held a grudge against so long. No, my my voice is just now coming back. If you all remember last week from the podcast, my voice was cutting out, and it's been like that. It's been snowing here, so it's it's a little difficult on my voice. But you know, I'm powering through. Much like JJ Watt, you can't question my work ethic. Uh, I'll say this: I, I do have another point to make about JJ Watt and his uh, worth to the Titans. I'll say this though. 
that game, and you you know exactly which one I'm talking about. That game, the Titans played in Houston with with Jake Locker at quarterback. The Texans had Ryan Fitzpatrick at quarterback. That is the most dominant performance I have ever seen by a football player in the NFL. Regardless of position, J.J. Watt in that game had like so, – Matias, you're a stat guy. See if you can find that game. The, I uh, I think that was 2014. That's when that would have been. Titans at Texans. If I had to guess, he had three sacks, a forced fumble, a fumble recovery, and a receiving touchdown, and like a million pressures. Y'all, y'all know that was the Svitek game. Y'all know exactly what I'm talking about. Yeah, I was just gonna say I don't know why you're calling it anything other than the Svitek <laughs> game. It's the Svitek game. I mean, I have never seen anything like that before or since. Just that that they could have lined up with one player on defense, and the Titans would have lost that game. I mean, he was just. I've never seen anything like it. I, well, is and it, was Mettenberger back? Yeah, Mettenberger, I think it was Mettenberger. Mettenberger was the yeah, backup. He, he had two sacks, three tackles, one tackle for loss, seven QB hits, and he had <laughs> seven QB hits, and he caught a touchdown. So that was cool. Good for him. Oh, and he in recovered his, a fumble. In his career against the Titans, I just looked this up, he's 10-5. and five. He has – it's a 15-game stretch, obviously – he has 18 sacks, a touchdown, 25 tackles for loss, and 38 quarterback hits. I mean, and for, nine forced fumbles. For people who don't remember, like if anyone younger is listening to this, JJ Watt, like Aaron Donald, is like the poor man's JJ Watt in terms of what Watt was. I mean, there's never been anybody like him from the interior, other than I mean, I'm thinking like. Uh, Who's that guy that played for the Rams years ago? Old Rams player. Deacon Jones. That's like the only other thing I can think of. The oldest Rams player. <laughs> yeah, you have really that. Um, uh, Let me add this about Watt and, and his worth to the Titans. And I said this a second ago, but I want to expound on it. I think Watt would be a great move for the Titans I think if they sign him, he can't be the only move. I think if you get Watt, that's a big win, but you then have to go double dip and get an edge guy, too, from free agency. I could see the argument for only sign one edge guy in free agency and then draft one. I disagree with it. I can see the argument. If you get Watt, you have to get an edge guy, too. Yeah, sorry, my mic was on mute. But the the Titans need a lot of defensive line help, and they need bodies also because they don't really have that many players. Like it, unless Daquan Jones comes back, uh, he's a UFA, right? I'm pretty sure he is. Um, like if he doesn't come back, we have a gaping hole at that secondary defensive tackle spot. Yeah, Tyre Tart is good, but he's also an undrafted free agent going into the second year. I don't feel all that confident in. And, I mean, Jack Crawford is fine, but he's really only a rotational guy. Uh, and then you look at Edge, like, there's no one – there There aren't good players. Like, Harold Landry is there, fine. Clowney's a free agent. Uh, and I just – I don't know, man. Like, they, we need players 
at both edge. We need players at defensive tackle. Uh, I've been talking about the defensive tackle depth for I don't even know how long. Even though the position was fine last year, it wasn't it wasn't good. It wasn't a difference maker. Granted, no one on the defense was a dip was a difference maker, but we just need bodies and we need talented players on that on that line because as we've seen in the playoffs for I don't even know how long, if you have a good defensive line, you're probably gonna make it very and probably going to make it to the Super Bowl if they're that dominant. So it's very important for the Titans to to get back to that. Uh, it's been a while since they haven't had a defensive line that's been elite, probably since 2008. And then they went 13 and three that year. That year, so it should be a big um, a, a big point of contention for John Robinson. But I don't know. I don't know how he sees it. Well, and. You know, again, the good thing about J.J. Watt is he's a force multiplier. Like, he's somebody that if you need somebody at defensive end, that's where he's played his whole career. Great. He, Like I said, he's also six foot five, 300 pounds, six foot six, whatever he is. Like, he's played inside. Like, if you need somebody to rush inside, he can do that too. Like, it's not somebody where with Clowney, we'd seen it on tape, but it wasn't that he was a fit in any scheme. It was that you had to work your defense around him. J.J. Watt's the opposite. Whatever scheme you run, you don't have to build it around him. You just line him up somewhere and he'll just win. Like, as aggravating as it's been, historically, they, you know, and when Vrabel was there as the defensive coordinator, like, the plan that Cornell used and that uh, Vrabel tried to use is you take your best guys and you put them against the worst guys. So he would move J.J. Watt around. And theoretically, if J.J. Watt was with the Titans, it would be, J.J. Watt right in between Jeffrey Simmons and Harold Landry, and then you have another edge that you draft or spend money on or whatever. But either way, like you can you can kind of use him to fix a lot of problems. And yeah, you'll have to draft somebody else. Like he's not the long term solution, but it's not crazy to sign him to a three year deal and think that he makes it all the way through. Yeah, I mean, it's been happening with Calais Campbell in Baltimore. I think it's maybe his second year now, but he's still one of the better uh, defensive linemen there is in the league, and it's just because he's so good at what he does, and he's also so big, even though he's like, what, 35, 36 now? He's still going strong and still one of the better players in the league. And Cameron Wake was 37 when the Titans signed him. So, like, it's not— it's not impossible for these guys who seem to work out all the time and who understand what they need to do for their body and who take it seriously. It's not hard for them to last longer in the NFL. Now, even with Watt sustaining that back injury, like it's been years since that happened. And even though it feels recent, I mean, credit to him. He's played a lot of snaps since then. I think that's a good segue into talking about what we heard from John Robinson today. There will be some of these quotes. I have the transcript pulled up. There will be some of these that I think we can dissect and and maybe we'll disagree on and get into some good discussion. Let's get into one that I think we're all just going to kind of give a thumbs up and say, yep, that's about right. He got asked about Isaiah Wilson and his status, and this was the answer. Uh, I have not spoken to him since he got put on the NFI list. We did a lot of work a year ago leading up to drafting him, the evaluation process, talking to sources, visiting with him countless times, and for whatever reason, the player 
that this fall was here in Nashville was not the guy that we spent time with last year. He's going to have to make a determination if he wants to do the things that are necessary to play pro football, and that will be on him. I know what the expectation level is here, and it's no different than any other player on the football team. We have a certain standard that we want uh, players to prepare and perform professionally. There's a lot of work to be done there. That's pretty damning to me. Because, again, this isn't a press conference, so that is the, you know, buttoned up with whipped cream and a cherry on top version. I mean, I thought he called this press conference to announce that Isaiah Wilson was getting released. So I guess this didn't take me too much by surprise, but we really haven't seen John Robinson speak this way about a player, I don't know, ever really. And good for him. Good for him for telling it how it is and kind of giving me and maybe other doubters uh, just a little bit of comfort knowing that this really wasn't the guy that he thought he was getting. And even though we didn't like the pick at the time because of his college tape and we just didn't really feel like right tackle was was necessary at that pick, uh, we weren't expecting the character concerns to be this horrific and they've been i mean it's been one of the, the the craziest like character stories i've ever seen in the nfl like this is like this is worse than malik mcdowell who some of you may remember was drafted by the seahawks early in the second round uh then he, he robbed some right he robbed like a, a gas station with a with a gun he also had like an atv accident yeah, that, that, I, <laughs> this man weird stuff I, I love the video you can probably find it on youtube or somewhere of him sitting in a gas station sitting on the floor a policeman with a gun aimed at his head and he is sitting there saying let me talk to your supervisor i need to talk to your supervisor like, dude, when someone has a gun aimed at your head, you get on the ground and put your hands on your head. Like, <laughs> goodness gracious. That was crazy. And yeah. that's really, like, the comparison that I make because it's probably the most recent one, and there really haven't been too many high-profile players that have had these types of issues and have been in the limelight like this for the wrong reasons. Uh, but this has just been an absurd, absurd situation. And for John Robinson to come out and say – like, we probably got this wrong. It, we, this guy has just completely changed over the past year or so. Uh, good on him for, for doing so, because not a lot of people would. Yeah, and you can say a lot of things about Robinson. Uh, they'd all be wrong unless they're praised. But uh, he's he's never been somebody who's just stood up and lied. Like, when when stuff happens, he's like, look, it didn't work. Like, I tried it, and it didn't work. Or... This is not what the guy, you know, the guy we vetted is not the guy we got, which means somebody lied to us throughout the process. And it just happened to be the one time in NFL history where we weren't allowed to meet with prospects. So, yeah, I mean, give him credit. He's not he's not trying to smooth this over. He said, look, we haven't talked to him since December. Like, we're in touch with people that are in touch with him, but we've had no direct communication. Like, I mean, it, he, he's basically telling you the level of cooperation that, you know, he's gotten back what he's done and at this point he just said you know look like i'm not going to keep throwing good money after bad if he wants to come and be a part of this team and be you know a player great he's got a lot of work to do to prove that to anybody and if not you know we you know we're moving on 
I fail to see, like, I wanted to ask this question, but he kind of gave an answer to it as to, like, what exactly is the path to reclamation for him? Like, is it just to one day delete the Instagram and come apologize? And I don't know. Like, I, you know, I, my mind goes to, like, you know, check himself into rehab or something. But, like, I don't know that he's addicted to anything. I think he's just an idiot. And I hate to use that word because, you know, we strive to be analytical on here, and that's not a very analytical word. But, like, it's kind of fitting, right? I mean, anybody who's – I don't actually follow him on Instagram, but I constantly get sent things that he's posted on his Instagram. And this isn't even his private page. This is, like, his public Instagram page. It's, it's – I mean, it's a little entertaining, I'll admit, but it's bizarre. I mean, the, the post, especially about uh, – what, what was it? Will, you, find, find the post where he put it about, like, if anybody investigates, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't remember it word for word, but I'm pretty sure it was just, like, a story. Or maybe it was a post. I yeah, don't know. Yeah, it was an Instagram story. Uh, yeah, saying, yeah, like, like if any – if anyone investigates this, this account, like this is purely uh, for f- entertainment purposes. I found it. It says, read it. In, yeah. in case of any local or federal investigation by any department, entity, or anything similar, first pause, this dude is not intelligent enough to have composed this himself. Yeah, correct. The word, the word entity is not in isaiah wilson's vocabulary this is this is you guys know when you see sometimes it goes viral on social media like facebook is infringing on your rights post this and you will be fine and your privacy will be (laughs) yeah like that's what it sounds like anything to you uh in the case of any local or federal investigation by department, entity, or anything similar, I do not have any involvement in drugs or sales of drugs, nor partake. This he did not write this. Nor partake in any involvement in street crime. This account is strictly for entertainment. Now right, look, th- that's like let, if let I me- go. If, that's like if I go kill a family and film it and put it on YouTube, and in the bottom, I'm like, this account is strictly for entertainment. <laughs> like, yeah, like. So, I'll say this. Maybe he's some kind of savant and he, like, actually this is all a character. In the point zero zero one percent chance that that's true, then this is great. But there is no other explanation than his agent slash some lawyer said, look, you are putting yourself in jail. If you don't if you don't say this or, like, make some kind of disclaimer or something because – like I, I mean, I don't, I don't even have Instagram, so I don't follow him or whatever. He's blocked me on Twitter, so you know that is what it is. But like, I, I mean, it's impossible not to see people take pictures, and they, you know, even somebody who he's actively trying not to get his see, to see his stuff is seeing his stuff in me, and I'm not seeking it out. So like, if I, if I don't care, and it's also still in front of me somehow, imagine how much information John Robinson and I guess. If Mike Vrabel cares at all, Mike Vrabel, like, imagine how much information they have coming from Isaiah Wilson at this point. So, like, it got to the point where he needed to post that. He felt that he needed to post that. So, I, I don't know what that says. I don't know if that tells you anything, but it's it's not good. I know that I know that I've I have not seen that on many of my friends' Instagram accounts. 
I, you called him an idiot. I, yeah, he's probably dumb. Like I, I've seen his posts and, and his tweets. He's probably not the sharpest tool in the shed. But I think it comes down to him just not giving an F about anything. Like yeah. he doesn't want to play football. He only cares that he got money and he can party and he could do whatever he wants and have the time of his life. And he doesn't even have to go to work. Like I don't respect it, but he's just doing whatever he wants to do. He doesn't care about anything. Here's where he needs to walk the line, though. Uh, if he's not careful, he's going to lose that money, as in have to give it all back for being in breach of contract. Because like, it, it doesn't work where you get drafted and then like run away and you still get paid. That's not how this works. Well, Will has been saying it, and I'm inclined to agree that the only reason that he's still on this team is because of that reason. The Titans are just waiting until either he, he messes up big time again or they could just recoup the money in some way because, like, he has done enough to get released. He did enough a while ago to get released, and Dennis Kelly's fine. We don't even need Isaiah Wilson on the team right now. The only reason is, I don't know, it might be just legal at this point. Yeah, like, at, at, since we're talking about it, like, uh, my theory is that that you know they got enough from Dennis Kelly last year. Dennis Kelly still has two more years on his deal. Like that gives you plenty of time to find replacements. And we also just saw the third string left tackle in Questenberry, who they basically picked up off the street slash the practice squad slash a guy they knew from last year. Like they they basically you know were plugging in whoever at left tackle, and the offense was working just fine. So you would have to imagine that they don't feel like they're stuck in a situation where they must have Isaiah Wilson. So the only reason why it makes sense that they're still on the roster is if they cut him, he's guaranteed a certain amount of money, and that you know that doesn't change. Like That just is what it is. But if he breaches his contract, then all of a sudden they can sue and get that money back and you know get the contract dissolved, whatever, but it'll save them money in the long run. In the meantime – they can just put him on the NFI list or whatever they did last year and just say, look, like we don't want him on the team because he's, you know, he, we don't feel like he's acting in the best interest of the franchise. And if that changes, we'll take him back. If something happens and he breaches contract or somehow nullifies his guarantees, I don't know exactly what that would mean, but if something like that happens, great, we'll take our money back. But you know, there's no there's no point in them cutting him if they're just like already committed, just saying like, look, just don't come into work today. Let's move on to something a little more controversial. We'll get to Shane Bowen in a second. Actually, let's do Shane Bowen right now. I want to talk about because we're going to spend a long time, I think, talking about the pass rush stuff, and so we'll do that after we take a break in in a few minutes. First. Because I don't, I think we'll probably spend less time on this. Let's do Shane Bowen. He was asked by Teron Davenport. I thought it was a great question. He said a lot of Titans fans are very upset about uh, Shane Bowen. What's your pitch? What's what's your endorsement of him? And the answer was this: When you have continuity with a staff, I think that can be a good thing. I would say the continuity is pretty good. The carryover, uh, blah blah blah. 
when a defense or when it comes to the execution of a defense, there's a lot of things that go into it. There's the call itself, there's the execution of the call, players that are on the field trying to execute it. It's more than one thing when things go good and when things and when things don't go so good. It's a combination of a lot of different things on every single play. So I'm excited about the continuity and look forward to improving in a lot of areas on that side of the ball. Couple observations. Number one, he did not mention Shane Bowen in that answer. Uh, number two, he was asked later to sort of follow up on that and to expand. And one of the things he said is, um, because when a defense is not playing well, it's more than one thing. It's not just the play caller, which I agree. Like Shane Bowen stunk, but it wasn't all his fault. And so one of the things he said is, is we're looking to improve everything from the personnel to the way we make play calls to the way we craft the scheme. And so I, I think from that perspective, and I'll be interested because it, I, I think Mike Vrabel is going to talk next week along with the new coordinator. So I'll be interested to see what, what Vrabel has to say about that whole idea that leads me to believe that the Titans are not tone deaf in the sense that, yes, I still think it was a bad move, but I don't think this is them saying, we're going to run it back. We're going to keep the same pro. I think what they are saying to themselves, and I disagree, but what they're saying to themselves is, we're not going to change the staff in terms of the people on it, but we are going to change how we do do things. I, I think they are. This is not a situation of they're just going to try the same thing again and see what happens. I hope you're right. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know if you are. Uh, I don't know. I, I I understand the. I I did not like the quote of looking forward to the continuity. I don't. What is the continuity of of going uh, uh, from terrible? Like what? Where? What is the continuity? Just, just knowing your players and being close to them, and forging relationships. I mean, I guess that's important. But if you're bad at your job, you're bad at your job, and and nothing, nothing will change that. Um, I mean, I, I yeah, I, I I did like that he didn't necessarily give him a vote of confidence, uh, because he really hasn't earned it and he doesn't really deserve it. But I'm still. It's just still I just hate the hate the decision and, and I can't really uh, get over it. I am intrigued to see what Vrabel has to say, although Vrabel always says the same crap and <laughs> none of it really matters. So John Robinson's press conferences are a little more uh, detailed. But listen, I hope I'm wrong. I really do hope I'm wrong on Shane Bowen. But it seems like John Robinson isn't even totally, totally sold on him which means we're probably going to have a press conference this time next year with a different defensive coordinator. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't want to beat this dead horse too much, but it's like, you know who I wouldn't want back is the people who were steering the Titanic, like the captain of that. Like, You don't want people who don't do their jobs well to come back no matter how know what kind of continuity that serves like i i I don't know like it's it's disappointing obviously Uh, to me and i'm not 
I want to get into as little conspiracy theory here as I can because I know it's easy to kind of go that way. But we all we all should know the score. Vrabel is I mean Vrabel and Bowen have been together for a long time. Bowen was with him in Houston when they were when he was coaching JJ Watt and Jadavian Clowney. It's how Clowney got here. It might be how Watt gets here. Whatever. Like this is not something that Robinson said. Yeah, go ahead and do your thing. It's Vrabel saying I won eleven games last year. You know, basically like not not saying it, but obviously kind of like a soft power move to say like you know you're not going to fire me because I just won eleven games. So like if Vrabel if if you've told Vrabel you have control of the coaches and he says I know what the problem was I'm going to fix it this year like I've got it like don't worry about it it was just this this and this Robinson's going to sign off because he should trust Mike Vrabel you know other than the fact that we saw this fail last year. So Robinson's really not in a position to say, you know, yeah, I hated the move because who does that serve? Like he, he just can't come out and say that. But we, we all know that from the timing of it dropping on a Friday and it dropping at the same time as the offensive coordinator announcement from the fact that it happened senior bowl weekend when Mike Vrabel was in Nashville and John Robinson wasn't, you know, we know from all these things that it's basically a Vrabel move. Vrabel did it. You know, he pulled the trigger. Robinson is not going to rock the boat and create problems for a team when they're heading in the right direction, theoretically. So, you know, I think he, like the rest of us, is just hoping that Mike Vrabel's right and he sees something that nobody else can possibly see. And just in case he's not, the plan is going to be to throw as much talent to the defense as he possibly can. All right, we are going to take a quick break. When we come back, we're going to talk about the pass rush because uh, John Robinson had an interesting exchange with Paul Kuharski during his press conference that I- I'd like to read and and us talk about because there were some good things that he said, but then also there were some concerning things, I thought. So we'll get into that in 30 seconds. We're back, and it is time to dive into the Titans' edge rush situation In the words of John Robinson, let's start with this. John Robinson has not been very good at evaluating edge rushers for the Titans. He's only really gotten one hit, and that was Harold Landry. Landry's a good, not great player. He does some nice things. He's not terribly consistent with his production, and he's not a major difference maker. But he's a good player. You know, you you take that. Everything else has been bad. Kevin Dodd, Vic Beasley, Jadevian Clowney, Kamala Correa, it, it has not been very good. So he, in in uh, the press conference today, Kaharski asked him, essentially, why do you all seem to not want, you know, the Von Millers of the world, the Khalil Macks of the world? It seems like the Titans, for whatever reason... They don't talk about sacks. They use the word pressure and affect the quarterback, but you'll rarely hear them say sack. Uh, and and Robin said, I think we'd love to have a guy like that. Uh, we, we would love a guy that commands double teams. And so then Kaharski said, okay, follow up. You haven't been very good at evaluating edge pass rushers. Do you, John Robinson, have to reevaluate how you, in turn, evaluate pass rushers. 
And he began his answer by saying, I think we've gotten production out of that position. Harold Landry's a good player. And it is what got me. Jadavion Clowney did some nice things for us last year before he got dinged. And that's where my kind of sirens went off. I was like, do what? And, uh, uh, you know, then he goes on and says, we've got to be better on the edge rush. But I think there have been players that have been productive. To me, it's like, I don't know if he's making excuses. I don't know if this is coach speak. Or I don't know if he genuinely believes that, like, this is normal. You just, you know, you have Harold Landry playing in the flat and then Brooks Reed and Tazar Skipper running around out there. Like, what do you all think about this? I'm concerned. I wouldn't say that he's evaluating the position wrong. I think he's – no, no, sorry. Not, I, I don't think he's scouting the position wrong. I think he's not valuing it enough. I think he doesn't believe that Ed Rusher is as necessary to defensive success – as it really is, because I think it's incredibly important, and the Titans simply don't have elite pass rushers. Harold Landry is good. He's not great. He's probably average to above average as a pass, probably above average as as an edge uh, in the NFL. But other than that, th- th- there's no one, and there hasn't been anyone since Arakpo and Morgan, and they haven't really tried to get anyone. Yeah, they got Clowney, but Clowney isn't exactly a prototypical edge pass rusher whose main focus is actually rushing the pass uh, passer. So I don't know. I, I feel like he doesn't value the importance of the edge position enough, and I think he's going to have to because his defensive coaching staff hasn't shown capable of maximizing the talent that's on the roster, and the talented edge on the roster right now is bad, man. Like, no, no one's good. Like we we can we can talk up Derek Roberson all we want. What's the most he's ever he's gotten four sacks maybe in a season if if he's lucky. Like he is a fourth fifth string guy who is fine as a rotational piece, but that's the guy who's starting games for you. Like that's not good. How is that? How, how does that make any sense in, in terms of how to approach that position going forward? Uh, that's what that's what concerns me. Yeah, and to be fair, like the plan has never been for Roberson to be the starter. Like Roberson has kind of fell into a starting job twice. Like he was an undrafted guy who didn't make the roster at first. He was on the practice squad, and then he was called up after Cameron Wake was hurt, and they needed some more pass rush after Kamale Correa wasn't getting there late in the season. You know, and he lucked into three sacks in two games, and then a sack in the playoffs. And then this next year, he got injured in training camp, and then. Again, he ha- he was supposed to have Vic Beasley and Kamala Correa and Javian Clowney in front of him, and then we all kind of know what happened there. So, I mean, I don't think it's that John Robinson goes into the season like edge is not an issue. Like, he brought in Cameron Wake to be the designated pass rusher opposite Harold Landry. Worked when Cameron Wake was healthy. It just, you know, he just popped a hamstring and just couldn't go anymore. But that... I think seven of Harold Landry's nine sacks last year came when Cameron Wake was on the field. So that was pretty effective. Um, But yeah, like I I think there is a problem with that old New England Patriots model where you kind of create your own pass rusher and then you let him go in free agency. Like, I mean, it's what they did with Ninkovich. 
it's what they did with Chandler Jones, except they traded him instead of uh, releasing him. And it's just that's just kind of what they've done forever. Just now, Tampa Bay is kind of reaping the rewards of that system where they've said, okay, we're going to break away from that and we're going to go out and sign some high-priced free agent edges. So maybe that's something that the Titans do now. Like maybe they find a Shaq Barrett or a JPP or something like that and they make their move. But up, you know, up until very recently, it's not like signing a high-priced edge has reaped a lot of rewards. So I do sort of get that mentality, but you know, you, you do have to put draft resources in if that you know if you want edge help and you're not going to pay a lot of money for an edge. So I, I think you're right in that I don't think the problem is identifying the talent and knowing who's good and who's not. It's a combination of how big of a priority is it that you get edge rushers and a little bit of, hey, you know, how much can your defensive coordinator get out of those guys? Let me say this, though. I, I don't think Robinson should get credit in the sense that, well, he's gone after him. They just hadn't worked out. He has not gone after sack guys. And I think I talked about this last week, but I'm going to say it again because I think it's important and bears repeating. Vic Beasley was a reclamation project. That was a wing and a prayer. Maybe we can fix him. Maybe we can't. They couldn't. Oh, well, one-year contract. Who cares? Jadeveon Clowney was never going to be a sack guy. He had never has been a sack guy in his career. right? I, the phrase, he's a disruptor. That's what he does is he's a disruptor. He creates pressure. Yeah, but he doesn't ever get home, and he doesn't actually finish the job. We knew that. They knew that about Clowney. So let's not sit here and act like John, John Robinson has gone after the big sack guy and it just didn't work out. He hasn't. And it's time. Well, but it's not. It's also not like guys are walking off the street and just you have a fifteen sack guy that you just stare at and say, "No thanks, I'll pass." Like, yeah, who are the great edge rushers that have come? I mean, they either all get franchise tagged or they get traded. I mean, that you know that just is what it is. Like, I, I, I don't know. Like Shaq Barrett was a guy who was Vic Beasley, except he you know wasn't as productive beforehand. He was a guy who never made it to the starting ranks. He constantly got people drafted ahead of him or around him. And then eventually Denver went from, you know, I think they cut him at one point and brought him back to the practice squad. And then eventually they just let him walk in free agency. And then he took off. Like, it's not like, oh, man, they really should have gone after Shaq yeah, Barrett. It's I'm not, like, I'm not, well, I think you're making a good point. I will say this, though. This year, those guys are out there. This is a deep and good class of free agent pass rushers. I mean, it would take me forever to name them all. And in the future, I'm sure we'll talk about you know and break them all down. But you've got Yannick Ngakwe, Matthew Judon, Ryan Kerrigan, Shaq Barrett. Did you say JPP is a free agent? No, no, no. I was just talking about when Tampa Bay okay. signed Jace Barrett. Well, uh, Von, Von Miller has a player option. J.J. Watt we've talked about. This is a good class. This is the time to pounce, perhaps multiple times. Yeah, it's also a good draft class. Uh, I'd be surpri very surprised if they don't attack the position pretty aggressively, uh, even though they haven't in the past. It just seems too logical, and John Robinson has made – 
too many logical decisions during his time as G as GM. We have always said that his best or one of his best qualities is the fact that he always seems to realize what the biggest holes on the roster are, and he always actively plugs them up. That hasn't happened with edge rusher, but it just I, I'd be shocked if that's not the main uh, the main position that that he targets. This year, both in free agency and through and through the draft. Yeah, and I, I was just looking up the sack numbers while we're talking about it. Like, I, I'm not going to go through them all, but guys, I mean, you're going to have to take a gamble on a guy like, I mean, maybe you you're the guy who pays Shaq Barrett thirty million dollars. Maybe you pay Matt Judon twenty million or Bud Dupree after an ACL tear, or you know Yannick Ngakwe or Trey Hendrickson, but. I mean, there are guys out there that are potential signings that make sense. But, yeah, like it, it it will be interesting to see what happens going forward. Robinson has, like you said, identified things in the past. But it, it's never been this dire. Like, And it may be to the point where he says, we have to go out and sign an edge, even if that means we don't get back any of our free agents. You're never going to get married if you never ask anybody out. That is true. I always say that. Yeah. I mean, unless it's like an arranged marriage, you know. That's true. It's possible. Like the Titans with Shane Bowen. My my point, be, <laughs> my, my, my point being that Titans talk about wanting a pass rush, but, you know, you have to, you have to ask them out first. Like you, it's not just going to appear one day. No, I mean, you're absolutely right. And, and we'll see what they do. But I, I do have confidence that that will be – the main point of of improvement uh, this offseason. They, they, they really don't have too many holes. Like, that's the biggest one. If, if, on, yeah. if on May the 1st I have to sit in a press conference with John Robinson telling us how confident and excited he is in Harold Landry and Kamale Correa going out there as the pass rushers, I will lose it. Well, hold on. Correa's not on the team. He's a free agent, so... though. He's a free agent. Oh, <laughs> they bring him back. <laughs> Wouldn't surprise me. It, it would <laughs> surprise me. Like, this does feel like an offseason where they have to make a – like, sort of like when the offensive line was bad and they were like, guys, calm down. We got this. And they brought in Saffold. And then it didn't work for 10 weeks. And then it worked amazing after that. But, I mean, it, it's like one of those situations where they're like, okay, we hear you, like, this is your issue, fans. We also see that this is a massive problem. We'll fix it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, one other thing I'd like to talk about before we get to stop the nonsense. There has been a strangely large contingent of Titans fans losing their minds about how much they love Jadavion Clowney today. It's been weird. I mean, I've gotten a lot of it because I, on Twitter, called out John Robinson for saying Clowney did good things because I don't think he did anything good. I can think of, like, two plays that he made an impact. And yet, I've got the same – I've got all these people in my mentions saying the same things that the Titans duped themselves with last offseason about, like, oh, he's a, he's a disruptor. He creates pressure. You don't see it in the stat sheet, though. Uh, but he he makes plays. He's a good run. To f- but we never saw any of that. Like, he didn't do anything. He didn't get penetration. These are all just 
phrases that you've heard people say before. None of that actually happened in 2020. Like, I don't understand. And I've got I've had multiple people act like it is a no-brainer if you can get Clowney for less than $10 million that you bring him back. Uh, no thank you. It's crazy. It almost seems like he has made several burner accounts, and he's only targeting Luke on Twitter. It's been very weird, but it's happening, and I've seen it, and it doesn't really make sense to me. Like, I mean, he was fine. He wasn't awful. He was an okay, you know, defensive line player. But yeah, he just didn't make an impact that actually helped the team truly win any games. His best play was like. Not even his play, right? I can't even remember which one it was, but I remember everyone was, like, losing their minds, and it was because no one had blocked him, and he just made a play in the backfield. So I don't really know, man. I, I don't... Things we had always said about him uh, when he was with the Texans, they ended up being true. Like, he's just not the the edge rusher that he's supposed to be. Yeah, like, this. this is what gaslighting is. It's people telling you something that happened that didn't happen. This is like, look, he was a really good player against the run. You don't see it, and nobody's going to go back and watch 400 snaps of run defense before like making a declaration. They say, well, I guess that is true. Like, it's not true. Like, it's not. It's just not true. Like, it wasn't true against the Broncos when he kept going to the wrong gap. It wasn't true against the Vikings <laughs> when he went helmet to helmet with Kirk Cousins on a should be pick six. Like. It, it's just it's just not true. So I don't know. Like, like, but you don't have to really watch the tape to see who's good at run defense. Like I know from watching the game live that Daquan Jones is a good run defender, and that Jeffrey Simmons is a good run defender, and that Harold Landry is not great. But yeah, I know you disagree with that. But what I'm saying is, yeah. you don't have <laughs> to. Say, why are you what, trying to start a fight with me? I'm on your side. The, the point is, you don't you don't have to go back and watch the tape to realize if someone's like really good at run defense. Because they're going to pop off to you when you watch the game. Also, he had zero sacks. Zero. Zero. Matthias. I honestly he's, think. He's a disruptor. He's a disruptor. Well, then you're why, clearly, weren't, other clearly players, not why weren't other players getting sacks if he was disrupting things? Like, the Look, other players. Have been that is a sacks. mystery that we do not know. It's not his fault. He can't play every position or even his position. Well, like, I'm telling you, we could have gotten a sack this year. At least half a sack. Brooks Reed came off the street and got two. <laughs> yeah, like, come on, man. <laughs> what are we doing here? Like, yeah. that, that's like, I, I, that's just, this is the last I'm going to talk about this. But I, 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 I don't remember if I said this in the DMs or whatever, but I, I said something to the effect of even if you can't see if a player is good or not, like let's say you don't know a lot about football, like if you watch four guys on the defensive line and three of those guys have better numbers than one guy, you're like, well, that guy's not as good as the rest of them. But you can definitely be sure that if those three guys stay in and they replace them with another guy in Brooks Reed that they just pick up off the street – and they all put up the same numbers, and the other guy is also better than the guy he replaced, then you know that guy wasn't very good. Like, it, it's not complicated. Like, it's not like people want to say, oh, well, at the end of the season it was different because he was going against this or that. 
No, it's not that. It's just that Clowney was not very good in 2020, and whether it was an effort thing, whether it was a conditioning thing, whatever it was, you don't have to look any harder than that. Maybe he'll be a good player somewhere else. Maybe maybe he was a good player in the past. Whatever. In 2020, Jamie Clowney was not good at football. And if someone's going to come in here and say, but Brooks Reed was a designated pass rusher, so then explain Jack Crawford being much better than Jadavion Clowney, both on the field in terms of just being better at football and also outproducing him in very limited snaps. Come on. Like, this isn't hard. Yeah, it, it's it's really not. And for a bit of an early stop the nonsense – People need to stop making excuses for players that don't produce. Now, I understand that, you know, for an interior defensive lineman, if you're even if you're really good, that doesn't necessarily mean you're going to put up stats. I mean, take someone like Damon Harrison, who was great with the Jets at the Giants for several years. He wasn't putting up very big numbers, but he was an incre- he actually was a disruptive player. You just didn't see it on the stats sheets. For an edge rusher, when your job is to get sacks, if you are good. You're going to get sacks. Like, y'all remember Brian Arakpo and Derek Morgan? They would get 10-9 sacks every year because they were good. And now you're sitting here with Jadevian Clowney getting zero sacks in eight games and trying to act like he's just as good as those guys were when there's no comparison. Like, I don't understand. Receivers are also one thing because a lot of that has to do with volume. But... For an edge pass rusher, if you are not putting up stats, you're not that good. Like, I'm sorry, that's just how this works. Well, yeah, that's why I brought up Jack Crawford, because even if someone brings up the argument that Clowney isn't a pure edge and plays better when his hand is in the dirt, he didn't even outproduce the guys who were doing that. And then you look back and you look at someone like Jarrell Casey, who even though he was declining the past few years, he was still getting... Five, six sacks, four sacks at the least, maybe. So I don't know, man. I I, I don't know the this weird contingent to to keep defending this guy. Sure, I'll take him back for like I don't know six million dollars, maybe seven. Any more than that, it's just it's just not even worth it. You might as well pursue other avenues because this wasn't only a Tennessee thing. The year before with the Seahawks, he had three sacks. Sure, he might be good at other things, but that's not what we need. That's not what we need. We need a guy who will actually get to the quarterback and bring down. I know we have this had this conversation before about sacks, uh, about the, the the sack stat and the fact that maybe pressures are more important. Yeah, maybe, but it's also very important to actually get the quarterback on the ground. And Jadavian Clowney just is simply not good at that, and he hasn't been for the duration of his career. Let's take it this way. I don't know the numbers, but I'm going to guess that there's a big disparity here between percentage of drives in which a defense gets a sack that end in punts versus percentage of drives in which the defense is credited with a pressure and ends in punts. I don't think we have to look those up to know that there's probably a pretty big disparity there. Dif- different. I also, right before Will jumps in, I, I feel like pressures are very subjective, and I don't know oh, yeah. how they're actually 
it's not qualified and quantified. I know, right? Like, like a quarterback hit, okay, like that makes sense. You hit the quarterback and he probably fell to the ground or something. But a pressure, like pressure rate, I don't know, man. Did I talk to you about this or like maybe it's just I've said it so many times before that it's like stuck in the ether or whatever. I think quarterback pressures is a absolute nonsense stat that's made up by people who want to favor the guys they like. It's it's just it is so ethereal that it means nothing. Like how can you tell if you pressured a quarterback if you don't hit him? But like I mean that that by itself is like a level of guesswork that I won't understand because if a guy floats a pass and it's third and three and you come free and he just floats it to the running back and the running back runs for four yards, but you were like real close to him. Is that a pressure or was he just planning to throw it over your head the whole time? Like that, that, that is nothing, but quarterback hits at the very least. I can be like, okay, that time he hit him. And I know that the quarterback recognized he was there that time. Like that's the quarterback hits tackles are lost. Sacks was the only thing that matters for a defensive lineman, and that's just that's just it. So like you know, and I'll say this too. You know, I said I was done talking about Clowney, but I'll say this: if you want to say that Clowney's good and that you like him, fine. But you can't say that Clowney. You're wrong, but fine. You can't say that Clowney is worth bringing back on ten million dollars when the Titans have other free agents who are actually good at football statistically and in your heart. So, like, just if you don't want to take an L and you just don't want to admit you're wrong, just say, oh, man, I wish the Titans had more cap money so that they could have brought back Jadavian Clowney because I think that would have been a good deal. And all your friends will nod and say, yeah, you know, you're probably right. That would have been cool. But in their hearts, they know you're wrong, but they won't have to get into an argument with you. You know, I think PFF needs to add a a stat called uh, disruption rate. And it's scored 1 through 10 if you're a pass rusher on how good you are at being a disruptor. What do you think? And it's picked totally at random based yes. on how many times in a year they say <laughs> that they subscribe to PFF and that they respect <laughs> their stuff. Because other than that, it's just going to be a random number generator. <laughs> is is there a big time throw category for pass rushers? It's just pass rush win rate, isn't it? Yeah, it's pass what? rush win rate versus double teams. Gosh. <laughs> oh, yeah. <laughs> nonsense. Oh, speaking of, it's time for Stop the Nonsense. Who would like to get us started? I can go first this time. I feel like I always go last because I'm always searching for the for the Stop the Nonsense. But I have, a, I have this one right at my disposal. So I'll go first. It's an espionation article. It is the. It is titled. <laughs> is Tom Brady the tall? <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, I can't even get through. Is Tom Brady the tallest NFL player ever? Banner Society conducted a very thorough investigation. <laughs> it's very clearly an attempted satire, as someone so so generously pointed out on Twitter. Because I had no <laughs> idea. I, th- I thought this was a very serious. I thought this was a very serious article. It's clearly an attempt. It's like the onion style type of article, but it sucks, man. It's just so bad. And it, they just go through this like investigation, the stats, like it, I'll read some quotes if you want, but it's really awful. Uh, they, they, they say pro football reference. However, list several NFL players above six, four, which is Tom Brady's height. 
And then they say, sure, that can end the debate right there. The geeks with their precious analytics will tell you touchdown. Tom wasn't even the tallest Brady on the 2007 Patriots. If there's one thing we all know, it's that football is nothing without the fans. So let's see if they agree with the number crunchers and their ivory IT tout. Oh, my God, so bad. And then they put a poll where 51% voted yes, Tom Brady is the tallest football player ever. And they just keep trying to push this point, and then they ended up end it with, until then, we'll just have to agree to disagree. It just sucks. Like, could, could try, try again later. It, it, yeah, man. It was just, like, so bad. So mine is simple. Uh, you've all probably seen this. The lady who, like, got emotional and complained that Tom Brady was throwing the Lombardi trophy because her dad – like made the Lombardi trophy and apparently said, I didn't sleep for the last two nights because of this. All right. <laughs> like I, th- I think we're clap was, chasing like, a little bit. Like, yeah. I can't she get was like, I'm crying for the silversmiths and the family of the silversmiths out there. True. Like truly like the rantings of an insane person. So, I, I will know. say they did get disrespect. They did get disrespected. The silversmiths. I mean, I yeah. I, I've, I've also, <laughs> I also thought it as soon as they threw it, I was like, "Do you know the silversmiths and how much work they went to what? to make the same trophy for the whatever year in a row?" Like, this was filmed by a news outlet. Like, what news outlet was like? Yes, let us cover this story. I I don't know. It drives me crazy. Like it, I hate to see these things because then everybody's like, look at this dumb person. I'm like, y'all shouldn't have reported it anyway, but that's, that's why we have to stop the nonsense. Um, so I'll, I'll wrap up. I don't know if this is necessarily stop the nonsense or me just reveling in the Texans pain, but I don't know. Like, I guess Jack Easterby is going to go in like the Titans ring of honor. Like we've talked about him before, (laughs) but like, I think since the last time we've talked about him, they fired Deshaun Watson's like best friend on the staff, which was like the equipment trainer. He's put, he's cut JJ Watt. Like they've said to the point now where I'm almost believing it that they're not going to trade Watson. And Watson is basically saying I'm not playing or I'm not reporting until like week ten, if I report at all or players close people close to him or whatever. So not only are the Texans, you know, cutting JJ Watt, fine, I guess. Like the money, I get it, but it's like you have money and you don't have any talent on your roster. But he also was kind of behind the trade for uh, New Hopkins for a second. He's basically wormed his way into a new regime and brought general manager over. He's like firing everybody inside. Like it feels like if it, it almost feels like in the movie Draft Day. When they're like, let's just trade all these picks around and it won't make any sense. But at the end of the day, the protagonist will get what he wants. It almost feels like that's what's happening in Jackie Sherby's head where he's like, (laughs) I'm just going to keep doing everything. And my life's a movie and it'll all work out in the end and I'll be the winner. And it just sort of keeps working like he's tearing down the Texans roster from the inside. And it's to the point where everybody's like. Oh man, Jack Easterby's a snake. And there's all these videos released about him in his church when he's like, Y'all ever wonder if Jesus Crip walked on water and did like this? And it's that's the worst video I've ever seen. But <laughs> it's just something new every day. But it's to the point where everybody's like, I can't imagine this getting any worse. And it just continues to get worse. So 
I don't know if this is a stop the nonsense or man, it's a fun time to not be the Texans. But either way, I shout out to Jack Easterby. It's fair. It's very yeah. weird, and like, um, no, there there was something else that happened. Like well, they hired another character coach. I saw where they did that. <laughs> so that that was one thing. Did you get? Did you guys yeah. see the video of Easterby uh, doing like uh, a dance? Walking water. Uh, yes. Well, yeah, that one. That's crazy. Um, yeah, the the chaplain or character coach or whatever was a quarterback at some at the college he was at. Was he like at NC State or something? And he was like a freshman quarterback when Easterby was there for a year. And it's just like slowly filling up with parasitic people that are attached to Jack Easterby. It's it's crazy. All right, that's going to do it for us. We'll be back next week. Like I said, I think Mike Vrabel and the coordinators are going to talk next week. So uh, I, I'm not positive. Don't quote me on that, but but that's my understanding. So we'll, we'll see about that. But we will be back next week, and we're going to start diving into some of these Titans free agents. We'll get into the other free agents in a little bit, but we've got to talk about the guys that are on the Titans that have contracts coming up. So we'll get into all of that next week. Thank you for listening. Until then, for Will and Matias, I'm Luke reminding you and everyone else in the sports world to stop the nonsense. <laughs>